Our global yoga community means the world to us. And during these uncertain times, it's important that we support each other now more than ever. So if you haven't already, please check out and support the COVID-19 Yoga Teachers and Studio Support Fund, which has been set up by the yoga mat company Lifeform, who have donated a whole month's worth of profits to get this fund going. And you can donate to support yoga teachers and studios in need right now. And you can nominate a teacher or studio in your local area to potentially receive an award from this fund. Now it's open to everyone, to anywhere in the world, and to find out more, please visit yogasupportfund.com. Welcome to Child's Pose, a yoga podcast hosted by me, Michael James Wong, teacher, author, and founder of Just Breathe, Boys of Yoga, and Sunday School Yoga. Now this podcast aims to deepen your understanding, expand your perspective, and inspire your yoga practice. As I speak to teachers, community leaders, experts, and also ordinary practitioners about the topics and techniques that have evolved and progressed over the years. From the evolution of alignment, to the joys of practicing at home and now online, to what yoga means to the next generation of teachers. My hope with this podcast is that I can share the wisdom from those early years through conversations with some of the pioneers of the practice, but also speak to the next generation of teachers who are doing their part to keep yoga relevant in the real world. So join me each week as we deepen our understanding, expand our perspective, inspire our practice, and discuss yoga. Past, present, and wherever it's going next. Child's Pose. Let's begin. Hi guys, I'm your host on this yoga podcast, Michael James Wong, and today I am joined by the one and only Christy Christensen. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here with you. It's been so long, so it's just wonderful to reconnect with some of my yogi family from around the world. <laughs> it is, and it's so very, very fun for me. I mean, this whole adventure of this podcast series is really about conversations in the yoga world, but even more than that, reconnecting with friends, old friends, making new ones. And for those of you guys who haven't come across Christy before, um, you know, Christy is a fire activator on a mission to shake up the planet. <laughs> she is a former elite level gymnast, platform diver and you trained with the U.S. Olympic team at a young age, but obviously you had injuries and that kind of shifted the focus into this world of healing. Christy is known for her dynamic blend of yoga and dance and inspiration and live music and, you know, very similar to a, a lot of people that we're chatting to on this podcast, travels the world doing a lot of facilitation and workshops, retreats, teacher trainings, and, and really is one of those, I mean, I would call arguably master instructors who is really great at creating community and, you know, brings people together at festivals and conferences all around the world. She's also the creator of Soul Fire, which is her own unique style of yoga, and the co-creator of Deep Exhale and Kiryana Yoga School. And she's been around uh, for a few decades <laughs> teaching, and, you know, she really knows and is passionate about awakening and transforming her students' lives from the inside out. That is the spiel, and obviously, you know, I'm very excited. You and I go way back, and, um, you know, it's so great to have some time to actually catch up and chat and talk yoga. Absolutely. I, as soon as you gave me the invitation, of course, my brain, like, went back to, like, the moment we met, and uh, it was 2014, so almost six years ago now, mm -hmm. and of all places, Sofia Bulgaria on a movie yeah. set. Yeah. <laughs> And it was a and very, you actually yeah. took photos of me. I have like this beautiful photo of me on like in the streets of uh, Greece, I believe. That's right. Doing a handstand. <laughs> we did an amazing little photo shoot out there. But I remember yes. at the same time, I, I distinctly remember that first occasion as well. Because for me, it was this whole, um, you know, yoga production online class thing. And I was kind of this bright eyed yeah. kind of what are we doing here? And someone said, hey, do you want to go to this class? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go for it. Um, and I, I kind of walk myself into your class and it was poof, this kind of ball of energy this kind of huge uplift of kind of passion in the form of a yoga class 
And I remember kind of going, cool, who's this? And actually, <laughs> in, in a really interesting way, I actually had um, heard your name, knew of you actually long before that, but I just had never uh-huh. connected face and names because we're both from, from, from L.A. Right, we both right. spent a lot of time in L.A. and I spent a lot of my early years around Santa Monica Power Yoga and Exhale mm-hmm. and all those studios kind of on that west side. Take me back to those early days. I mean, because, I mean, you've been around the yoga community for a while now. What was it like in those early years for you? Well, the, the interesting thing, what it was like for me was I was in the yoga business. I was not a yoga teacher. That's right. So my like ignition story or like this, this path that's been forged and, and opened very uh, divinely guided, but I kind of fought it for a long time. Um, I actually was working for the company um, um, Exhale Mind Body Spa in New York City. Mm-hmm. And um, Shiva Ray, who at, at this time I was, I was still, I was a teacher. Like I was teaching Pilates and bar classes and mm-hmm. I taught dance. So I was in the realm of teaching, but not of yoga. This is around and what I year? Was a, this is around 2004, okay. 2000, no, 2002, something like that. Um, Exhale had just, had just opened um, and I was like on the main, I was teaching, but like my main job was, was managing the studio and. I had done, was doing some yoga, but I'd never done yoga with music. You know, it was still a little weird that you were doing yoga, right? Like people were like, wait, what's yoga? Like it did, it was not mainstream to say the least, you know, 18 years ago. (laughs) It was before Uh, what it is now. And especially if you're, you know, if you're only practicing or teaching recently in the past kind of decade, those early years were a bit like, you know, it wasn't like everywhere and on everything. Mm -mm. No, it, it was, it was. It was, it was, it was very, and sometimes people were like, oh, you do yoga? And then they would like pause and look at you funny. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, cool. Tell me about that. It was like, oh, I don't know if I want to keep talking to this person. They might be yeah. And know, that's like, New York that. as well. This was in New York. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this was before that, like, I even knew that like yoga was a spiritual practice. It was before I knew that like there were famous yoga teachers. Like, I don't even know what that is, but Shiva Ray was coming to the studio and people were freaking out that this woman was coming. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like, she's just a yoga teacher. And they're like, no, 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 no. She's like the Madonna of yoga. And I, I couldn't even, like, I didn't, I was like, I don't even know what that means. I'd never taken a class with music, like I said. And so I was like, okay, well, I have to go. So I was like, ask my boss, like, please, can I go? Like, and they're like, but it's really full. And I'm like, I don't care. I'll be in like the back corner because I was just so curious. And then I took this class. And I was like, literally, I had no idea what happened. Like all these things that come out of her mouth, she's playing like the most beautiful soundtrack I've ever heard. I felt like I was dancing, but like it was a vinyasa class. And like something just like, was like, whoa, like that just took me. And maybe it was the first time that like, I had a sense, not the language, of course, that like of the energetic body um, and that this practice connected me to something else you know, like something bigger, something deeper, not just my ability to stand mm. on my hands, not just my ability to, to backbend. And I just got insanely curious. So fast forward, I just started doing yoga just because I wanted to learn more about what this was, not because I wanted to teach. And I continued to work for Exhale. And then I moved out to Los, they moved me to Los Angeles to run this center called Exhale Center for Sacred Movement. Mm. And at that pivotal moment in time, the superstars of the superstar U.S. teachers taught there. It was right. the home studio of Shiva Ray, of Sean Korn, of Eric Schiffman, of Saul David Ray, eventually Annie Carpenter and Sianna Sherman. Mm. And, and then even the, if you, if I don't even like to use the term like second tier teachers because they're not, that just, you know, they just weren't as famous or well-known. Sure. They didn't travel the world in the same way. They were more anchored in Los Angeles. And it was like that was that became the home in which or the soil in which I was birthed out of really as Amazing. a teacher because yeah, um, the regular weekly classes, daily classes I was taken were by these teachers. And um, just so many great teachers from, you know, came through that that center. And it was yoga was in a different it was in this building phase. There weren't that many yoga studios. So classes were full of, you know, anywhere from, you know, 40 to 120 people in mm. class. And, you know, you just watched like yoga kind of catch fire in this way of like yeah. and seeing people really um, not only connect to their bodies, but their hearts and their souls. And that's why the center was called Sacred Movement, because it was supposed to be more than than just exercise. And yeah. how could we open people to that possibility that this practice was more than just the pose? 
And see, and that's really fantastic and, and amazing as well. Because, I mean, remind me again about, I mean, what year did the Venice studio open? The Venice studio opened before I, I was there. So it opened in the early 2000s. And then you arrived um, when? And then I arrived in 2000, end of 2005. And I ran that space until 2014. I mean, I, I still sit here hand on heart saying it's, we must have met or crossed paths many times yeah. because I mean, I, I grew up in Santa Monica in LA. Obviously I live mm -hmm. in London now, but I, you know, I spent from kind of, you know, you know, the early eighties all the way until uh, 2008 in, in LA. And so, wow. you know, and I okay. first started practicing around, I'm going to say 2003, 2000, 2004 yeah. generously. And, you know, I was anchored on the West side, Santa Monica power yoga, yeah. exhale. And so, you know, I, I came to those classes. Then where, for sure, we um, you know, did. <laughs> where, where Annie was there and everyone else mm -hmm. was there. And, and granted, I never went to a Shiva class in those early years. But I mean, yeah. I, I remember walking through the, the that front door, walking into the big room. And the, I remember mm -hmm. I, I, probably one of my first classes. And I remember this very vividly. And, I, and I, I've said this very fondly um, to, to her, you know, Annie. Um, who's, who's one of my teachers and someone I consider very close uh, in this community that I'd walk mm -hmm. in, I walked in and there was, you know, 95, a hundred people in the room yeah. and it was just Sunday kind of morning. like <laughs> Sunday and it was just the thing to do, but it was yeah. still this very small pocket of, of people because once you leave that little doorway and go back out into Santa Monica, it's just kind of Santa Monica, not like the Santa mm -hmm. Monica we know now where there's 10,000 people flooding the streets into the 75 studios that are within right. a two mile radius. Yeah, it was definitely a really special um, moment in time. You know, I think um, at the point in which each of these teachers, so, I mean, some of these teachers actually founded the studio. Um, and then the, you know, people like Annie who, you know, migrated to it a little later mm -hmm. on. And, um, and it just really was this space for them to, you know, really rise to their mastery. And for all of us lucky enough to, to be there to witness it and receive it um, yeah. was was really, really cool. And now that it doesn't exist anymore, it's like there's definitely like when I walk those streets of Main Street in Venice, I'm like, oh, like there's like an ache in my heart that that's not there yeah. anymore. Um, yeah. When the studio closed, I almost like I considered like, can I can I take the wood from the floor in the sun? The sunroom was the big room. Yeah, and there was just so much prayer and so much ritual and so much dedication and so much healing and singing and chanting and dancing and um, that happened in the in those rooms that I was like, maybe I can like take the floor. And like, <laughs> when I build a house, like this will be yeah. my studio or something. I, totally <laughs> I was like, know I don't you know mean. how to negotiate for that, but I, I still think about it sometimes. <laughs> no, absolutely. Because I, I, I remember yeah. those early fond years as well, being a student there, because there was something really special about Exhale because of where it sat in the landscape of the west side of, of LA. It was yeah. in that building that also had the big clown ballerina, mm -hmm. right, on the corner. That which is very you know, yeah. That iconic building that just kind of mm -hmm. screamed... Santa Monica, Venice, LA. And so it almost was, you know, very much kind of the essential landmark of the West Side. And so, I mean, I have yeah. a very fun. And one block in from but, the beach, right? Yeah. I mean, and yeah. for you, obviously you didn't, you didn't run that forever. Obviously there was a transition. Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was really interesting. So I, I ran that studio for seven years and it was, I, I mean, I did other things with the company as well, but it was, it was literally my blood, sweat and tears for sure. Um, and I also was, was began teaching there. It, you know, people would say to me like, oh, you're so lucky at so young, you found your dharma, like this is your dharma. And I would look at them and I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like I knew beyond a matter, like a shadow of a doubt, like that was exactly where I was supposed to be at that time. But I knew it wasn't forever. Like I knew this was part of my journey and I didn't know how it was gonna play out of course, but but I, but I knew there was an ending. I knew it wasn't forever. And one, literally one morning I woke up and I was like, okay, I think it's time. And I really had no idea like how to make the leap because so much of my life became so integrated into the fabric of that center that there was no separation. Like my friends, my everything, um, the loyalty I had to these people and to the people I worked for was just yeah. like, was literally the cornerstone of my life. And um, but it, it, and, and so I couldn't listen to the call, like, you know, in the way that maybe I, I wanted to. So about, it took me about a year of this kind of like nagging, like this scratch of being like, this isn't for you anymore, you know, start to mm -hmm. pay attention. It's time to jump. And, and I just share this because I think other people that can relate that, 
you know, our body gives us messages way before um, maybe our mind can catch up. <laughs> and that if we do pay attention, we might cause, we might not go through as much pain and suffering. <laughs> because what happened for me is I'm a very body person, a very visceral person that it was like, I got this knock, I didn't listen, I pushed it away. And then I got the knock harder and harder and harder to the point where I actually ended up in a neck brace. There was a, a point where I was actually considering surgery. I had what was called trigeminal nerve malaysia, but the doctor, like the doctors thought I was in a car accident. Like no one could, I literally woke up one day and couldn't turn my head. I didn't have any kind of accident whatsoever. Right, so nothing happened. You just woke up. Nothing happened. I turned my head and I was like, Ooh, I'm, I don't think I'm supposed to turn my head that way. And I turned my head back and I had this like radiating pain and heat going through the whole side of my head behind my eye. And it was so insane. And I really, really do believe, yes, I did a lot of crazy athletics when I was younger. So I definitely am predispositioned to have weird stuff happen for sure. But mm -hmm. I really, truly believe that this was like, this was a sign of like, cause I said the thing, like I'm trying to stick, you know, a round peg in a square hole, right? And it's, it's not fitting anymore. And I even was saying, I feel like I'm hitting my head against the wall every day to try to make this work. And the next thing you know, <laughs> I'm in a freaking neck brace. Um, and I share that because if I would have paid attention earlier, maybe I would have been able to skip all that. But that was part of my, my journey and part of my learning, I, I, I do believe. And it made me scared. Like it actually scared me more than the idea of like, okay, if I leave the security of this job and really enter into this unknown to see if I can make it as a teacher, you know, and, and without the business, without this, this bedrock of support, you know, like that all of a sudden became less scary than the potentiality of being in this neck brace, being faced with potentially spinal surgery and actually not being able to use my body as the instrument I've used it my whole life. Mm. You know, so in this way, it was this turning point for me to being like, okay, this is not how I want to live. And I was like, okay, I have to make the leap now. Like everything is, even though I do not know what's next. So I finally like got up the courage, made the announcement and as soon as I made, like, as soon as I decided in that moment, like this was the moment, like I didn't look back once. Like that was the really cool thing that I think when we, we, we finally, even if it takes longer than maybe we expected, we finally get to this point of clarity and it's in that right alignment. There is no like, oh, if I would have stayed three more months, or if I would have saved a little bit more money or if just this would have happened, there was none of that. It was just like, nope, this is now done. And thank mm. you, thank God it brought me to where I am now. And now I have to like open up, open up my third eye because my other two eyes were so narrowly focused on this one vision for so long, for seven years with Exhale for 10 years that like, okay, what are, what is the way in which I want to live now? How can I contribute to the world? How can I serve? How can I use the gifts and the knowledge and the training that has been bestowed upon me through all of these experiences and do something that's now in my greatest alignment. So Absolutely. that was kind of, that was, that was the leap and I didn't have the answer. <laughs> so yeah. it's interesting leaping before you have that, that clarity, but I had the clarity that I had to take the leap. That Udai was actually the first like confirmation of the yes, that I made the right decision in a sense, because the day that I made the announcement that I was leaving the studio, um, and I would say I gave them notice and all those things, but I got the message from Yarif, from Udaya, inviting me to come and, and to do my own program. So he's like, how would you like to make your first yoga DVD? And it was the same day. So I was like, huh, this is really interesting. Yeah, and you're like, and, oh, this seems and, to be yeah, working out. Yeah, and the day that my last day, it was, it was, was going to be on a Friday, and I was going to have to leave for um, Udaya in Bulgaria on, the, on that Monday. So it was like literally like this transition, like, <laughs> new beginning begins now. Let's like literally get on a plane and soar. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think a lot of people listening to this can relate to that, you know, of, of having this kind of feeling, knowing that there's a transition coming or knowing that there's a shift that needs to be made, but also kind of relating to that sensibility of going, there's never a perfect time. So at some yeah. point we just have to 
to do it for ourselves or yeah. take the leap of faith, not knowing that there is a master plan, especially for people who are, are, are yoga teachers these days, because, you know, the, the world has shifted. There's obviously, I'm going to say, arguably a lot more yoga teachers. And there's also right, a lot of, of people who have this draw and this pull to towards sharing and teaching. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can get stuck in our heads being too logical or analytical or precise going if I do this and then do that for two months and that for six months and I do that thing and take that training then I'm ready to to go and and, and teach yoga exactly exactly I mean and and we do that all the time right we do that like it's like delaying what we really want for our dreams right it's that we do it with like oh when I lose five pounds then I'll be able to meet the man or when I get this degree then I'll be successful or when I da 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 it's the same Mm. thing and it it really just comes down to like what do you really want and how can you like a, a big thing for me is this combination of like what I really truly deeply desire and want and then how and it just will depend on the language that works for you. Like for me, it's it's the divine, it's God, it's goddess. Like what does God, goddess, the divine want me to do so that mm. I can serve and I don't waste the gifts that I've been given because they're different than the gifts that you've been given or the gifts that Shiva Ray's been given or the gifts that, you know, Annie Carpenter's been given, right? So like how can I, and, and I think that helps so much because it's like even though we want to learn and grow from all these amazing masters, but then how can we uniquely bring forth ourself to the world and serve from that place? Because I believe that's the place that you're really going to make impact and you're really going to be able to inspire, right? And you're going to really be able to talk to someone's heart and make um, something flower open. Mm. Yeah, I, I love that. Love that. I mean, so let's talk about now, though. So what's mm-hmm. important to you now as a teacher? Like, I mean, where, where is your focus or what is the message that, that is important for you? So honestly, for me, um, my, my main mission like, is to help. Like, I, I do look at it as a point of activation. Um, I want to help people first get into their bodies, right? Like, I want to help people come back home to this physical form and to this human experience of what it is to be alive. You know, so much of it from different yoga traditions is about this idea of, of, of transcending the body. And for me, that's, that's not the goal. For me, it is like coming back into the body, being in the humanness of this life, and then activating all the energy that we have, right? And to, to recognize and to learn that we're not just one thing, but we have these different empowerments that serve us and help us to our highest and what I relate to and the place I share from is through the map of the chakras, um, the energy centers of the body, because to me, they serve as this beautiful roadmap of traveling upward and traveling back down. So we can start in, in we can start or end the journey in the body. We start at the roots, we start at the ground, and then we can move. Once we feel the physical body, we can move into the fluid and the feeling body. And then we can, from that grounded place of, of feeling, then we can uh, awaken our fire and our power and not like blow the whole, the whole world up. So it brings us into this balanced empowerment. And then from there, we have the courage to move into our hearts, right? Whether that is to do a beautiful backbend or whether that's just to live your life from your heart. And then moving up into your into your throat and and being able to uniquely uniquely express who you are, having that um, connection of of your own authentic voice and being able to share it, and then connecting to your your intuition and connecting to your guides and using your imagination to dream the life that you want and to to create magic, and then the remembrance that we're all connected to one. So this is the place in which I teach from. And of course I do bring, I, I am teaching poses. I'm not just teaching philosophy. I'm not just teaching, you know, on the chakras in that way. Like I do try to layer in my messaging, but into all of that, because for me, yoga is also a very, it's an empowerment practice. Um, it makes me feel strong. It makes me feel connected. And I want everyone that I share with to wake up to that remembrance in them of like, oh, like this body's amazing. It mm. is so powerful. It is so strong. 
Oh my God, look what I have access to when I actually ground down. Oh my God, when I lift up to the sky and then I drop into my heart and I can believe that in this, this idea of, of pure potentiality and I can really be directed in, in, in the way of, of, of bringing my dreams true. Mm. So um, I know that was a really long-winded answer and I don't even have it actually answered your question <laughs> but I mean you have and, and I think for me what's really and which what's why I always really love seeing you or chatting to you is I mean you can really feel the passion and you can feel the joy and you can feel the you know the energy that you have for the practice and to share yeah. that and to help people embody that um yes. I mean l- let me ask you, you this uh, as maybe a, a big question of the moment and, and, and for you, is passion and energy more important than alignment and poses and sequences? When I say this as a teacher. No, no. Yeah, no, no, I, I know. That's... So here's the thing. I can teach you alignment and I can teach you how to sequence, but I can't teach you passion. Do you know what I mean? Like I can hopefully inspire you, but I can't, but you have to find the passion within you. So I think that the key is, um, because everything with like yoga is so layered, right? We look at the layers of the body, we look at the layers of the chakras, look at the layers of the elements. To me, what makes a beautiful yoga class is all those integrated of uh, layers, creating this beautiful tapestry of weaving together meditation, mantra, mudra, beautiful sequencing with the message. So I don't want just the alignment. I don't want just the philosophy. I don't want just the hands. Like I wanna bring all these things together to have like this really well-rounded, holistic um, experience. And for some people, yeah, the, the physical parts of what's gonna talk to the most right now. For someone else, it might be the languaging in which what I'm talking about. For someone else, they're gonna get really jazzed off the type of sequence or the mm. music, because the music is another important sure. layer. Yeah, which we'll talk about. So I, I don't wanna throw, I don't wanna have to give one for the other, but I think passion and joy are harder to teach. You have to access those for yourself and hopefully yeah. Um, you can be around people that if that can help inspire that within you. Absolutely. This podcast is part of Sunday School Yoga, an international teachers community, an online teacher training platform, supporting new and developing teachers as they learn, share, and grow together. So make sure you check out sundayschoolyoga.com to find out more about how to get involved and to explore the growing selection of online courses you can enroll in from anywhere in the world. Let's dive just a little bit deeper just because I'm interested yeah. in this because it's, it's very much how I see you inspire people. I mean, as a teacher myself and as many people listening to this who are probably teachers or just very interested in this, we can understand that, let's say, the anatomy, the alignment, the sequence has an element of, um, you know, left brain, logical, you know, you can understand there's an A to B, right? Or a relative yeah. A to B. You can yeah. read about it, you can learn about it, you can study about it. Whereas things like passion and energy and vibrancy, you know, that that very much is a, I'm going to put that in the sense of a creative endeavor that comes from a place that you need to find for yourself, Mm-hmm. But, you know, as a, as a teacher listening to this, as a newer teacher who's on this path and journey, they can go, okay, well, I want to know more about alignment. Let me do these classes and these courses and right. study with these teachers. But what types of things can maybe you pull, you know, pull some, you know, covers back from for, you know, finding that sense of passion? Or is it about just, you know, being around passionate people? I mean, where where can you actually find it if you feel like you're lacking it? Well, I think a a good place to begin always is, you know, at some point in your life, you did have passion, even if you feel like feel dull and lifeless now, right? So if you go back to what kind of things brought you joy as a child, was it dancing? Was it coloring? Was it singing? Um, Was it art? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if we go back to a point in our life of when we did have passion and maybe we stopped doing those things because we were told they weren't for us, right? Maybe we stopped doing those things because it was time to be serious and it was time to take responsibility and it was time to, you know, get our education and these were things. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up, exactly. 
And, and through that, and through that doing mind, which obviously is, is very useful, we want our doing mind, but like through that, like checking everything off on the checklist through just accomplishment after accomplishment after accomplishment, a, a lot of a lot can happen that we shut down this whole other, the creative side of us. So if we put them in, in the terms of the, the energy of the sun and the moon, right? The sun being this energy of activation, of the foundation, of the logic of uh, that initiating force. And then we have the the energy of the moon, the Luna, the 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 Ida Nadi, and that's that energy of the creativity, of the spontaneity, of the nurturance, of that creative reemergence coming out. Or we can think of it as also in the dual, the opposites of Shiva and Shakti, right? The creative life force, that dynamic potential, and then you know that wide open spaciousness of. Of Shiva, and that's one way I really like to think about it too, is because there is this saying in Tantra that you know Shiva without Shakti is but a corpse. Mm. So if we think of that in terms of what you just said, and like I know that someone else will probably very much disagree with me, but like that foundation, that just alignment, that just the sequence, is is Shiva without Shakti, and so it's it can be but a corpse. So how do we bring in that energy of Shakti to have this beautiful synergy of all of all things? I can use from my own personal uh, my own personal life, like when I was really in that mind of my what I'm calling my masculine of of running these businesses, of running multiple locations of exhale, of running the retreat business, of managing teachers, I was hiding in my masculine energy. I was hiding in the logic. I was hiding in this like a, a achievement and that what fell to the wayside was my energy of passion in the way of creativity and in the arts and the things that I did I danced as a child and the music and because it was it was scary I was vulnerable right to be able to explore these things and someone like I was good at being in that in that driver's seat right and very it was, it was hard to criticize me but me going into my watery sensual feminine self I felt like I could be exposed and and um, people would maybe you know attack me in, in some in some capacity and but through my practice of, of yoga and I was very very fortunate again to grow up in this time of this this center where we had kirtan mm. and we had ecstatic dance and i i loved dancing like so much but i would go out to the clubs and literally just want to dance by myself and because i could dance well you know guys would be all up on me and like rubbing their stuff and i didn't want that i'm like don't touch me and then people would say to me well don't dance like that if you don't want to be touched you know and like so then I would be shut down again. But then when I found like, oh my God, I can do this in, in the yoga room and I can have the most amazing music playing and just and nobody else is watching me or no one else cares and finding this outlet for release to let this energy move through. For me, that's what started awakening my passion, not the passion of running this business, but my personal internal passion. And then feeling that passion for life and feeling that passion for God or the divine. Mm. Um, so that's where I would say begin. Like what, what things, like is it planting flowers? Is it going on hikes? Is it being with the sunrise, the sunset? Like what things make you happy that bring you joy and don't think of it as like from a reward system. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like just innately, like you could just be happy doing this. If, if, if no one told you it was wrong to do this or no one told you you were silly for doing this. Yeah. See, I actually really love hearing that because I, I mean, I really only know that side mm. of you, that, that free, mm -hmm. watery, fun, joyful, dance-like side of you, because that is so passionately powerful that what comes out of you, it, it oozes out of you and, and kind of, in, you know, it makes everyone around you have this huge uplift. Thank you. I mean, is that what gave rise to kind of soul fire and deep exhale and these types of things? You know, again, I will give credit where credit's due in the sense that um, two of my teachers in the early days um, were Shiva Ray and Saul David Ray. And um, they both got to a point in their, in, their, in their teaching that they started to quote unquote break the rules, <laughs> you know? And what, like the definition of what yoga looked like started to get expanded. 
And some people, they criticize them for it because, oh, that's not yoga. You're not supposed to do that. You know, where's your five A's and your five B's, right? And then other people, like it just, it just flocked this like whole new um, people into a yoga room that maybe wouldn't have taken yoga before. So I think having, first of all, the influence of the two of them at that early time gave me permission to also find my own way to do stuff. And when I realized that I didn't have to be like everybody else. When I realized that actually trying to be like someone else was going to be a disservice. And that no matter how famous you were, how many people in your class there were, like it wasn't gonna connect with everybody, right? Like people would still leave classes from the most famous teachers and then come to the front desk and ask for their money back, you know? And I'd be like, what? Do you know who that teacher is? <laughs> you know? Um, but there was such an education that came with that, that, that gave me that permission, I think, to be like, okay, like what, how do I wanna do this? And what I noticed um, in the rooms that I was teaching is that there was just a lot of rigidity in the room and people you know really just trying to do these poses perfect which is great like people are working hard but like but with a stiffness without the breath without that energy right with like the shiva is just without shakti is just a corpse like that's what it felt like and i just started experimenting like what would happen if i made these people right now in the middle of class start shaking so that's how i started like for one minute i would put on like a crazy song i'd be like okay start shaking your hands start shaking your legs start shaking, yeah make some noise and and i clearly had to be fully committed and you know and then even just from one minute like the energy completely shifted and it was a different class and then from there i you know was like okay well what if i did this and what if i did that and and then i met this man named marcus wyatt who is a super famous uh house music dj and I used mm. to go to his events. Like I knew of him, but we had never met. I used to go to his events on Sunday. He created something called Deep. And it was the one place I felt safe dancing because people that went there, even though it was a club scene, people went there to dance. Like it was, that was the priority. And then maybe they hook up with someone later, but like it was it didn't feel like that same skeezy energy of people like wanting to do whatever they wanted to do to me. And people thought we knew each other because I was at the events all the time. And someone finally said to me, like, you don't know Marcus, you know, Marcus is like a deep yogi. I'm like, get out. Like, what do you mean? And so finally we meet. And at like the very exact moment, he was like, oh my God, you're a Christian. I'm like, oh my God, you're Marcus. And we both had, <laughs> yeah, this idea. It's like, I want to get yogis off the mat. He's like, awesome. I want to get club kids on the mat. <laughs> So like our initial idea was like, you know, um, from the club, uh, from the mat to the club or from the club to the mat, however you want to think about it. Right. Right. Um, and how do we bring together music? Because music is, you know, the foundation for dancing, right. Without, without this amazing soundtrack. And I wanted to have music that just, you know, hearing these beats that your body without like being in your mind and without being like, Ooh, I'm going to do this step. Like the music carried you, that moved you, that pulsed your, you know, pulsed your booty, it pulsed your heart. And just, you could not not move. So even if you, you're, you don't think you're a dancer, and even if you were told you couldn't dance, you know, that you can have this experience and you can let the energy move and really awaken the Shakti. So for me, um, wanting to give people a place to play, wanting to give people a place to release, to let go, to be a little wild, to be a little crazy, to break out of the cage of what your normal, you know, perfect box that you embody is, right? And to, to access the joy that's, that is in there. So that's where mm. um, Deep Exhale started first. And it's still going now. We're actually, we figured out how to bring it online. So we're doing it online now, Great. which is super fun. Um, trying to adapt with the times like everybody else. Um, and then the notion with Soulfire, um, there is, obviously Marcus can't go everywhere with me. So I created an experience that, um, that with yoga and dancing as well. But then there's other components of Soulfire. So the real message with Soulfire is, you know, if... To me, of all the elements, fire is, is the element of, of alchemy. It's the element of transformation. It is the element of, of, of ignition, of beginning anew again and again and again. And 
what activations do we need to take to be able to integrate our mind, body, soul? So using the map of the chakras, using the map of the elements, using the map of you know, the koshas in a way that the practice can penetrate that deeply and get to your soul. But to do that, you gotta, you gotta be willing to you know, get a little hot. You gotta be willing to strike that match yeah. against the hard surface to ignite the flame. Yeah. yeah. And see, what I really love about all of this, and obviously I've been an admirer of yours for, for many years, of just this sense of just, you know, going with what inspires you. I mean, there's, there's always going to be, and, and I'm, I'll happily say this, there's always going to be the kind of two sides of the yoga world of the tradition versus the evolution. Yeah. And, and I think it's really important to acknowledge that, you know, that, that we all come from both of those yeah. worlds. But I mean, it was so... You know, I mean, I'll say this: you were very lucky to have a teacher early on that gave you that permission, right? Yeah. To say, do what feels good for you, do what inspires you, take the practice and and move it in a way that that moves you. Yeah. Which I think is important that 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 we as teachers remember and remind it as we kind of get older and pass it on and and grow with it as it as as kind of a community is to you know have both sides of that conversation, but also to remind people that. You know, there is an element of evolution and growth and transformation in all this. I 100% agree. And, you know, evolution, like true evolution is based in tradition. Like to really be able to evolve in something that's going to be lasting, right? And something that's going to take form, like in my opinion, like is still steeped in that tradition. So maybe my yoga class in terms of the physical asana that I'm doing doesn't, to some people, doesn't look like, you know, the Ashtanga, you know, primary series, right? But, you know, the things that I'm, I am sharing these ancient concepts, you know, I am like, I have a deep affinity and love for the gods and goddesses and the mythology and, and the other subtle energetic practices, like I said, of the mudra and the mantra. And um, so even though my experience may not look traditional, there's so much of the ancient wisdom that is seeded in it. And I feel like that's what makes it powerful. And what I really want to encourage um, teachers to, to really do is not to judge because yoga is everything, right? If yoga really is this union of body, mind, spirit, heart, soul, right? Or this moment to moment awareness of what we're doing and moving in this special integrated way. Like my yoga could be taking a shower and like really just washing myself in the most like connected and appreciative and loving way, right? Why does it have to be a sun salutation? Why does it have to be warrior one to warrior two to side angle, <laughs> you know? Um, and not that there's anything wrong mm. with that, that, that either. So I, like if you can bring that mindset of like, yes, learn, I, I like for me, I'm a, I, I love the tantric practices. So that's what I dive, you know, deep into, like find the practices that you relate to, study them, know them, and, and then, you know, seed out um, what is authentic to you. And I certainly have had more than my share of criticism by like much larger, bigger teachers than I am, you know, saying like, oh, like at, at, a, at a yoga conference, there was someone that was sharing the wall with me of one of my classes. And I mean, the, the conference scheduled a yoga dance class with the DJ next to an Iyengar class that had no music. And that's not my fault, right? But that's what happened. And, you know, the teacher yeah. said to their whole class of like 300 people, what's going on in there? That's not yoga. And there were people I knew in the class and it came back to me and and I just said in that moment, I was like, okay, like this person doesn't even know, I, we've never met. They don't even know what I do, but like you, you are in a position of influence and you just influence all those people to poo poo something that you do not do. So I want to create, I said to myself, even if someone's doing something vastly different than I'm doing, and I don't understand it because I haven't even experienced it, like leave space, space for all the ways that yoga can seed and grow and emerge and, um, I, I really believe that we all have, that is what I think my gift is, is being able to bring my authentic expression into what I've studied and bring that passion forth in it. So I'm not going to be the only one that's able to do that in their own unique way. Um, again, I, that was a really long winded answer, but I hope that <laughs> you can, you can edit that one down if you want. <laughs> 
No, but it is. I totally agree with you. I mean, in that sense of, you know, I, I love what you say about leaving space, right? And, you know, you say leaving space, I say opening doors. Mm, I mean, there's a lot more of the world not doing yoga than it, than than are. And I think, you know, as teachers, especially if teachers, let's say teachers of privilege or teachers of, you know, some sort of awareness or opportunity mm-hmm. to ensure that we create this longevity of the practice, which has mm-hmm. this element of evolution, this element of non-judgment, this element of appreciation that while it might not be your personal flavor, it doesn't mean that we have to shut the door on someone else or shut the door for 300 people that we're in front of just purely um, because of our preferences or because of what disturbs our day. Yeah, and who am I to say what is yoga to somebody else? Do you know? Like, who, who am I to determine that mm-hmm. for you? And and I think that part of the evolution of yoga, which has been so interesting to watch, is that, like, people are doing yoga today that 10 years ago would have never have done yoga. They would have said, oh, that's just yeah. for girls or that's just for flexible people or that's just for this or that's just that. Do you know? And like, because mm-hmm. of all these different evolutions and some of them I love and some of them I don't, you know, but because of that, we have more people practicing yoga than ever before. And because of that, we have more teachers now than ever before. And as far as I'm concerned, no matter what style of yoga people are doing, like the world is going to be a better place <laughs> with more people practicing yoga. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, what do you know now though, that you didn't know back then? Oh my God, so much that I know nothing. <laughs> Isn't it great? Like when you're a new teacher, like, I mean, there's a piece of you that knows you don't know much, but then there's also this like confidence. Like, I don't know about you, but like, were you really confident when you first started teaching? Oh yeah. I I knew the world. I knew the world of yoga. I thought I knew many things, but and now I'm like, guys, I don't know anything. Everyone just tell me things. Yeah, it's so. Teach me things. Show me things. It's so interesting. Like the further I get on my yoga journey, like the less that I know. And there are moments in time of like, oh, I wish I could go back and feel that way again. (laughs) Yeah. And apologize to a bunch of people. That too. That too. I'm like, yeah. And I think just that the learning and the deepening, like it never ends. It just goes deeper and more is revealed on, you know, and, and there's no separation really between the personal journey of it all and that that you know that outward you know seeking in the same capacity like like i i think the layers in which that i am aware of within myself and i might still shut them down i might still ignore them but like at least i know i'm shutting them down or i know that i'm ignoring them where before mm. i didn't I, I i didn't even know what it was to be in my body and i was a professional athlete You know, I knew what it was to be in my body when I was standing on the edge of a 33 foot tower, you know, and trying to spin three and a half times and land on my head in a little pool of water. But like outside of Mm. that, I didn't. Um, So it's, it's this, this, this practice has, you know, taught me that I, that I, I can't hide from myself, you know, Mm. Um, or the detriment that I'll pay for hiding from myself. I don't know if that makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I really love that 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 honesty of sharing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think especially as teachers, the more that we get on in our years of teaching mm-hmm. and getting out in the world and sharing and maybe reach a, you know, a certain element of notoriety or appreciation. I mean, we it, it's nice to look back on the journey because it does remind us on our own kind of path that we that we walked. I mean, a big part of the the reason that this podcast exists is not only to maybe encourage and inspire the the now or the next generation of teachers, but also in many ways. And I, and I've said I say this quite often is that we're in this really unique golden era of yoga right now, where you know those early first generation teachers are still around mm-hmm. and still teaching, exactly. and and there is. I think also an opportunity, actually more a responsibility for maybe teachers like us, let's call us second yes. generation, who have who have been along that journey with them to almost, um, you know, share the stories, mm-hmm. have the nostalgic look back, because uh, unless you were in LA in that generation of exhale, mm-hmm. you, you'll never get to feel the energy of walking through that door into the sun studio going, holy crap, yeah. this is this is yoga, right? right? Exactly. I mean, can you remember fondly, and it's also because I like to have a little kind of um, think back. Can you just remember one, is, is there any one memory or moment that might have seemed inconsequential back then, but now you kind of look back and go, that was that was yoga for me in the early mm, days. Yeah. 
so when I moved to LA, you know, I was really, really green in this whole yoga thing. And, and I didn't know what kirtan was. Um, so this is just what's coming up right now. I'm sure later tonight I'll be like, oh, why didn't I say this? But I remember um, it was my first weekend in Los Angeles. And Jayu Tal, who um, at that time and still is, you know, he's, he's one of the master mm -hmm. kirtan singers, we can say, in the U.S. And at that Absolutely. time he was like, you know, him, Krishna Das, and Dave Stringer were the three yeah. Um, and I mean, I guess in many ways they still are, but I had no idea what Kirtan was. And I remember like kind of being embarrassed, like yeah. talking to the front desk manager and being like, okay, so what's going to be happening tonight? And she's like, it's call and response chanting to God. And I was like, huh? like my eyes, they must've like popped out of my head. And I was like, <laughs> wait, what? And then I was like, where did I end up? What am I doing here? Like call and response chanting to God? Like, are we in church? You know, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'll, let's see what this is going to be weird. And it was just him and Daniel Paul who plays the, the tabla, the tabla player and Jai was on the harmonium. And I think it was just the two of them. I don't think there was anyone else playing with them that night. And we had like 200 people come out to like call and response chant to God. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah. as the people were coming in and, you know, get everything set up, I was like, I was, I was just so like, what? And they were so excited. So after like everything got settled and it had had begun and then I finally like snuck in and at first, you know, I was wildly, wildly, wildly uncomfortable. But then there was this like kind of voice inside of like, just stay like this is a your new home. This is B your new job. Um, C like the 200 people are here, you know, like how insane is that on? It was either a Friday or Saturday night, you know, when the other millions of things you could do in Los Angeles, like see what, what is here. And, you know, Jai has this amazing voice and Daniel's an amazing uh, tabla player. And I, after like the judgment mind, like finally shut up and it was stopped like criticizing. This is weird. Why are these people, do they even know what language they're singing in? Because I didn't know, you know, I knew very little Sanskrit. So I was like, I mean, these people are so excited. Do they even know what they're chanting to? And, um, and then soon as that all dissipated, like the energy of the experience. So maybe this was probably the second time after that first class with Shiva of like there being something larger, something bigger. And I began like trying to sing along. I was probably was more being like blah, 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 blah versus knowing actually the words. And, but I, then next thing I knew, I found myself dancing and I was in the back, I was in the very back corner of the room because I was embarrassed and shy and, um, you know, didn't want anybody seeing me, but you know, the lights were down and, um, and it ended up being like a real, like I remember leaving and being like, I don't know what that was, but that was actually pretty cool. <laughs> but I like it. And be, uh, yeah, I like it. And after that, I think I went to like every cure, like we did kirtans almost like every weekend. Um, you know, I was like, okay, let's bring more of these here. And I really think that was like my first, maybe that was my first real yoga in some capacity. You know, mm, I mean, that's great. I mean, that's a great story. I mean, you know, especially, you know, if you're listening and you kind of you're maybe you're newer, you've never been to a kirtan mm -hmm. or, you know, or if you've just never been in the presence of uh, a large kirtan community where it's just so powerful. It, it's really, really amazing. Yeah. I mean, the energy is uh, yeah, I mean it's crazy. I mean, I, I'm I'm very lucky in the sense that probably once a year or so, and it's kind of a running joke. I mean, uh, once a year or so, I, I see Dave Stringer, uh, and we're kind of teaching at the same yes. kind of festival or conference, and it's always kind of in a different country yeah. every year in some odd way or another. But there's this beautiful essence of when he gets up there to lead a kirtan. It's just yeah, like you said, it's palpable in how people feel a connection to themselves mm -hmm. and each other. Yes, yes. And then, and it does, like it brings about an ecstatic joy, an ecstatic connection um, to yourself and to whatever it is you believe. Maybe it's your higher self, maybe it's higher consciousness, maybe it is God. Like it's, that. that's up to you to determine. And um, yeah, Dave, Dave is a, um, a good friend and um, we actually, as of about a year ago, started collaborating together and because of my love Amazing. for chanting, but I don't have the best singing voice, <laughs> um, but I love <laughs> it so much. So I'm like, okay, so, you know, and, and for those of you that don't know Dave, he's like the rock and roll Kirtan artist. So he's, he's yeah, amazing. he's, he brings in like, it, if you weren't listening closely to the words, like it could be rock and roll music in a way. Um, so we've been doing some really fun, um, 
uh, events together and also other countries. We certainly haven't done one in the U.S., but in, in Bulgaria and in Switzerland and, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and, and, and in China. So, oh, absolutely um, amazing. Yeah. So it's, it's cool to see how, I mean, in that moment in time, when I walked into that first Kirtan with Jai, like I could have never imagined <laughs> that I would be sharing a stage with like Dave doing a, a singing and dancing. <laughs> Dave and Stringer, you and Dave in China. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like how the world. And I think people. that's, yeah. And that's so cool. And it's one of these things for me, that's really amazing about kind of our yoga community, um, I mean, you and I fall into those same conversations of, you know, being teachers who are in different places and we get to travel, but we also get to weave in and out of uh, different conversations of community and, and getting to see how yoga has uh, grown all over the world, which is really beautiful and, and really powerful. Um, so I thank you for sharing and it's been really nice to chat to you. Um, I do have some questions that I wanted to, to throw at you as we wind this okay. down because I've been asking people as we go and I think I probably know the answer to a few of these okay who is or who is the one teacher that has changed your life as, as a teacher i would say shiva was my initiation in right um but my main teacher right now actually isn't a yoga teacher he's a meditation teacher and and i think in the past four years has been made the biggest impact on me as a human and a teacher right um is lauren roche amazing uh he wrote the most amazing text called the radiant sutras yes um, it's a trans. Well, it's a translation of the the Anabhavata Tantra, and it's the one book that I bring with me, like the actual physical book, not on my phone or my computer, that I bring with me everywhere yeah, yeah. I go. And um, yeah, uh, he's definitely. But and of course, there's been other teachers that have touched me very deeply. But yeah, no, it's an amazing, amazing teacher, an amazing book. Yeah. If you haven't checked it out. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, The second question, which kind of leads on to the whole essence of this podcast about maybe, um, you know, ways that we can uh, support the now and and the next generation. I mean, is there one teacher that you that you see out in the world right now, a part of I'm going to call it this generation or the next generation that, that you're really inspired by just what they're doing or how they're doing it or how they're navigating this this yoga world right now? I mean, there's so many people I'm inspired by, and I don't think of them as like further behind in the process than I am. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, because I'm, yeah, I, you know, in so many ways, I live in a bubble. You know, I live in the bubble of my, like, you know, my world, my study, and then showing up somewhere. And then, yes, I get to meet up all my friends at different festivals. And, and in those times, then it's like, oh, I can see what this person's doing and what that person doing. And, and, um, be, um, inspired, but I have a, a, this is who's coming to mind right now. And of course there are many, but, um, and, and, and I would, she's not of the, she's younger than I am, but that's the only way she would be less, whatever the word is of the different generation, just because purely of her age, not her study and the time that she, she started, you know, I think she went to India for the first time she was 17 and has been, you know, in deep, deep, uh, transmission for a long time. And, um, her name is Alexia. Uh, Cutler, and she's based actually in Vienna. I don't know if you if you guys have met. Uh, I believe, uh, yes, I have met Alexia. Okay, yeah, and she um, started something called the Shakti Academy. Yes, and it's an all women's really you know path of dedicated to the sacred feminine, but leading two hundred and five hundred hour hour trainings, and just she's so deep and so playful, and just doing really, really, really good work in the world and um and we've become good friends so we also collaborate as well and so but any time i get to spend with her i get you know super excited because we learn from each other and then we also can play like for me like there's got to be play wrapped in it somehow right like that has to be part of the 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 essence of it but there you know there there's so many teachers like i have a amazing um friend who's a teacher of dance something that she created called journey dance and it's like this mind blowing like dance method that I actually had to go and study with her because I was like, oh my gosh. Um, so there's so many people that are out there that are doing amazing, amazing things. Oh, that's amazing. And it's, I mean, it's really great to chat because you hear, you know, everyone has their little things that inspire them or little things that they kind mm-hmm. of take in inspiration or influence from. So it's really nice to extend this kind of wider community because I, I think it's easy to get maybe sucked into the you know the same core of people or just kind of to only kind of look towards the names that you hear or the names that you see 
um, you know, at conferences and events or teachers who are only in L.A. or New York. And I think it's nice and I think we have a responsibility as teachers, especially you and I as ones who probably uh, travel a lot more, even European, internationally, to actually, you know, celebrate the work that's being done all around the world, which is really, really special. Well, and the way the world is right now, the fact that like, you know, we have this like digital world and and with Instagram and social media and, and with all the online offerings, like currently, we have more access to different kinds of teachers and we have more access to different ways to practice than we've ever had before. So we don't just have like, you know, there was a, there was a point in time where there was only a handful of teachers like traveling the world teaching, right? So if you wanted to take a class with someone quote unquote, that was, you know, special or moving in that direction of being a master, like those were the few teachers you took from, you know, and now like, you know, the the kind of the walls have been blown off of that with all the different festivals and, and with even YouTube and um, absolutely, absolutely. You know, all the people that are, you know, like Adele, you know, Bridges, like putting out amazing content, you know, yeah. online. And, you know, how old's the touch? What, she's her early 30s? I don't know. Yeah, she's uh, around that. She's, she's London based. Yeah. yeah, she's doing great. Yeah. And she's doing like amazing stuff in the world. But I wouldn't say, like, again, in, in age, she's younger than me, but like in what she's done in the world, she's not. You know, so that's where, like, that was why it was hard for me mm. to answer that question. No, it's, I mean, there's, there's no right answer and there's no one answer. Um, it's just, a, yeah. you know, it's a beautiful opportunity to, to share. Mm-hmm. To wrap this up, and it's a question I do ask everyone, and I think that you'll have a, a very lovely and, and potent answer for that is, I mean, these days, what is your personal mantra? What is my personal? So I have two. The first mantra, which has been, like, a guiding mantra of my life for a long time, is Aham Prema. And that means I am divine love. And I think when we can remember that we are divine love, that we are going to um, show up and act in the world in a very different way. And then the other mantra I have is that I've been working with now for the past little bit is um, expanding my scope of vision of what is possible. You know, and it, and, and it was a mm. mantra that I actually used when I left Exhale and went out on my own and because like I said earlier, like I was so narrowly focused, like I needed to like be able to open up the world in, in a whole new way. And um, based on the nature of what's happening in the world right now um, and the lifestyle and the way that I reached people is not possible, right? So how can I expand my scope of vision of what is possible? Yeah, I love that. Super. I mean, those are great. And thank you for sharing those. I think the intention ultimately with every time that we as teachers step into the seat of a teacher, whether it's in a studio, uh, online, on a conversation like this, is, is, is to share and to be open and to be honest and, and to allow ourselves to be seen so that hopefully others, yes. other students, other teachers can, you know, see who we are to then see themselves in similar light or in their own light. Absolutely. Absolutely. Really agree. So my last question for you, Christy, because I know that, um, you know, we have taken a lot of your time today is what do you want your legacy to be as a teacher? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Didn't say it was the easiest question, but it is yeah. the last question. You know, um, you know, there's that that saying and I don't know who is attributed with it. Like people won't remember, you know, what you did, but they will remember the way you made them feel. Um, you know, I, I like. Like I want to, I, what my legacy is, I want to, I want to help as many people come alive as possible and for people to remember that sense of aliveness that's inside of them with every breath that they take. Um, and if that's all they remember, I think that would be enough. And I think that is more than enough. Thank you so much for joining me and having this You're chat welcome. on the podcast such an honor and a pleasure it's such it's such a joy to catch up with you and i think in this world of yoga that that we are in and that we've grown up in over the years and that we're lucky to be a part of um for me it's it's very much a a joy and a privilege to reconnect uh with lots of people i consider both teachers and friends and people i really look forward to seeing out there in the world and you being one of them i know we always have plans to cross paths at some point and we haven't been able to do that over the past few years but i have it in my mind now that you know in the next year that we will end up in the same place and we'll end up doing something together and it'll be really special and i look forward to it 
And I look forward to it as well. Thank Good. you so much. Thank and you. and I always like if I could have answered that question the way I wanted to, I'd be like, you're one of those people for me. Like in terms Aww. of, you know, continuing to evolve and grow and um, from writing your book to creating the podcast to, you know, the boys of yoga, just like your continual like refueling of inspiration and directing your energy in these different ways to really to serve. So, oh, um, just, well, thank you so much. That means know, a lot. Yeah. That means a lot. And that also reminds me as well as you have your first book coming out, Chakra Rituals, Awakening the Wild Women Within. And that is planned for next year, 2021. Am I right? Yeah. So the, the date's been pushed back just a little bit, just again, based on what's happening in the world right now, but it will be released um, either winter or spring of 2021. That is fantastic. I look forward to getting my hands on that. So very exciting. I'm in the midst of writing it right now. <laughs> People at home who are listening in or wherever they are in the world listening in, if they want to catch up with you or find out more about Christy Christensen or Soul Fire or Deep Exhale, what are the best places to find and connect with you? Instagram is great. It's just my name. So you have to figure out how to spell it. Christy uh, at Christy underscore Christensen. Um, I also have a website. That's just my name, christychristensen.com. And um, Facebook is always well good as well. On my website, you can directly email me from there. And I do answer all my own own messages. So please feel free to reach out. And if you want a little free at-home practice with me, you can find that on my website as well. So you can have a little taste of, uh, it's just called Starting Your Day with Power and Purpose. Um, so you can get a little taste of that too. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing as well. It's been great as always to chat with you. We should do this more often. Um, and it's it's always so lovely. Um, as, I always, as I always try to say with a loving endearment, whenever I see you or, or kind of sneak up on you, I always go, oh my God, it's Chrissy Christensen, which is one of my favorite things and memories of our time when, we, exactly. when I see you. Exactly. So thanks again, guys, for listening in on this episode of Child's Pose. Again, I'm Michael James Wong. You can follow along on all the things that I'm up to in the world of yoga and beyond uh, at Michael James Wong. But please um, do us a favor and, you know, help us spread the word. This is a yoga podcast for teachers, speaking to teachers about teaching. But, you know, the in other words, a a podcast to share around this global community of yoga. So thanks for listening in. Thank you, Christy, again. And we will see you next time on Child's Pose.